Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! You want a podcast? Great. So you have some audio on your website that nobody goes to. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, man, I'm not sure I've ever been this excited to be in this seat to tape the Anik and Florian Podcast. It is Monday, July 8th, 2019. It is 7.46 a.m. Pacific. Pacific time. It is episode 208, I think, of the Anakin Florian podcast. Super necessary that we're here today. Jorge Gamebred Masvidal is going to be the lead on this program today, but we certainly have a lot to get to. Ray Longo coming up in about five minutes. Uh, picks for Sacramento as well. Oh, UFC 239. UFC 239! Ken Flo, <laughs> looking great this morning. You, got, I like when you keep that that hair short, man. You know, I don't know if Clark must agree because you're keeping it shorter these days. <laughs> yeah, uh, cut it a little shorter, man. But my goodness, uh, sometimes if you're good, if you behave yourself, you, you get rewarded with a UFC card like this, man. And uh, what a card. First of all, we were completely spoiled. But out of all those amazing fights and, and surprising upsets and, and fantastic knockouts, out of all of them, Jorge Masvidal really stole the show. So I agree with you, man. You, you're starting with the right guy. Well, we're actually leading with your hair, and then we're going to get to Moscow. There you go. So, uh, so you do some some commentating for Kasai grappling? Is Kasai. That what yeah, yeah, yeah. Kasai. So um, Kasai is a professional jiu-jitsu organization. We did a event actually in Disney World. We typically been doing out in New York, but now we're starting to travel around yeah. all over the United States. We're actually going to Brazil now. Uh, Rich Byrne, who uh, heads up that op- operation, has been a, um, uh, you know, a, a long-time, um, you know, professional guy in, in the investment uh, services and he's a, a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu been doing jiu-jitsu for a long time and wanted to start his own jiu-jitsu organization and um, you know basically just wants to put together fights that he wants to see and yeah. uh, and we, we get a lot of uh, great matches but because of it actually Mike Perry actually did a jiu-jitsu match in the gi like I think they called him that day and he showed up when it gets a dude, that's all he does is Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And Mike Perry went out and won the match. It was it was pretty cool to see, man. That's incredible. That's sort of what I was hoping to get out of you. Yeah, I saw your your post on social media over the weekend about Platinum Mike Perry stepping up in uh, in Central Florida. There, well, good yeah. for Mike Perry and uh, and good for you. So, does this investor who has his own jiu-jitsu company must be nice for these guys, right? It's like you know what, I'm just going to start my own fucking jiu-jitsu. <laughs> uh, do they require you keep your hair short? 
Uh, <laughs> you know, this is more of a Kenny thing. It's summertime. It's hot as hell. Orlando is hot, dude. It, it was so humid. And uh, my hair was starting to get a little bit out of control. So I was like, I, I got to cut this thing. I got to go to the old school Ken Flo. Yeah, bit of advice. Just keep it short like that. Yeah, I mean, every exactly. three weeks, you know, exactly. I don't know why all these men think they need all of this hair. I just I just don't understand. Um, <laughs> all right. So a lot to get to, obviously, on UFC 239. We'll get to the two championship performances. Um, Longo's actually going to come up in a few minutes because we had a hard time connecting today. Go fucking figure. Um, but Jorge Gamebred Masvidal, right? 47th professional fight. He has been at this for the better part of two decades. Obviously, he had the extended break. He did the reality television show in which he was sort of cut off from the world, in some respects not unlike the ultimate fighter. And he came back and he has produced two of the biggest highlights, singularly, of 2019. The fastest knockout in UFC history. It'll probably be the knockout of the year, even though we're halfway through 2019. I couldn't be happier for this guy, right? I met him for the first time doing Bellator 1 in 2009, and I just think he's done so many things the right way and uh, just an unbelievable result. I, you can go any which way, Kenny, but TJ DeSantis did a post-fight show with, with King Mo Lawal, who said that two months ago George suggested that not only was he going to try to employ this flying knee against the takedown artist Ben Askren, which is something that obviously fighters do and have done, uh, but that he would do it early, Kenny, and he did it right out of the shoot. A little deception there with his hands behind his back, and uh, the rest is history. Uh, a little deception and um, a big smile to start that match. He had his hands behind his back like he knew exactly what was going to happen. A lot of times, a fighter has a special intuition, um, and they have a hunch, they have that feeling in their stomach, and they absolutely go for it, and they commit to it. When they do, good things happen. And this was a great example of that. Uh, there was a video that's going around of Jorge Masvidal actually working this very specific double knee, I think 48 hours before his fight against Ben Askren at the UFC PI. Um, and it was just a beautiful, beautiful knee. You know, when you're going against a wrestler, um, perhaps seven, eight, maybe even nine out of ten times, the rest are double leg. They're going to get it done with a takedown, right? You have to be extremely precise with this specific flying knee. And Masvidal went for it. Ben Askren, of course, with that wrestling background, his default is going to be naturally to just change levels. That's exactly what he did. Masvidal took advantage of it, and his hunch paid off. So obviously I'm, I'm contractually prevented from betting on these fights, but I did tweet something about the betting line earlier during fight week and just sort of intimating that I was curious to see where the line would go because I just was very surprised that Masvidal was in this plus 200 range. And I, I just thought no credit was given to his strength of schedule, the strength of his UFC schedule, his strike force schedule, his UFC main event experience, his championship experience in strike force, and just the type of fighter that he is, that he spent an entire career in a lot of respects fighting guys who are either trying to grapple him or take him down. He beat Damian Maya on one scorecard. And I just felt like Askren wasn't, excuse me, Masvidal wasn't getting any sort of respect going in. And I love Ben Askren. And I, I don't know how his squeeze relates to like, the greatest squeezes of all time, but I know he's a pain in the ass and had never lost an MMA. And, uh, I don't know. I just feel really good for Jorge Masvidal and, uh, Jorge on the post show was almost surprised that he fell for this so easily. Uh, what can you tell me just about Askren and, uh, his inability to see this coming? Uh, you know, I, 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 
I think that most fighters, when you're getting ready for, let's say, sparring or, you know, typically, what, 90% of most fights, you go out there and you feel your opponent out, right? That's what happens. You get out to the center of the octagon, you move around a little bit, you shake out a little bit, you throw some jabs, you judge your distance, and then you get after it. How often do you start a fight and you see an individual after one or two seconds right in front of your face flying in the air? And a lot of times when you see that and you don't expect that, despite all the experience that Askren has and the fact that he's undefeated, uh, that is no longer the case, but it, it will throw you off and you will always revert to your default system. When you are in a fearful state, You are going to default to what your body and brain knows best. What his body and brain knows best is his wrestling. He went to change the levels, and it was just a perfect opportunity for Masvidal to land that knee. Now, again, even if he did change levels, a lot of times, more often than not, uh, without a doubt, the wrestler wins that exchange. And again, we could be talking about how how stupid Jorge Masvidal was. Why did he take that big risk right, in right. flying at him to go for that knee? We knew Askren was going to get the easy double leg. But no, he's a hero today. I mean, he's an absolute yeah. hero for going for that knee, trusting his gut, you know, having that feeling that Askren was going to make that reaction. And he went for it. It could have gone really badly for him. He could have got taken down, controlled, you know, chipped away at for those five minutes, could have been exhausted after those five minutes. Yeah. Um, and we'd be talking about how 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 dominant Askren is, you know, yeah. and, and how he could be uh, next for a title shot a, a, and being undefeated. But that was not the case. Masvidal absolutely killed it on that on that hunch. There was definitely risk, but a lot of experience and a lot of good coaching. And and can you imagine some of these American top team conversations with Jorge Masvidal and Mike Brown and King Mo and everybody else? Just absolutely incredible. Mike Brown, of course, won the coach of the year over the weekend. American top team, the team of the year. And and what a night they were having with Masvidal and Amanda Nunes and Tiago Santos nearly broke through. We're going to get to all of that. We will not shortchange anybody on UFC 239, but the last guy you would ever want to shortchange, or heaven forbid, be 10 minutes late for. Let's get to the Ray Longo. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. The great Ray Longo now joins us, and we, we aren't going to be moving the show up this early every week, Ray, but uh, I do feel <laughs> like we're, cram- we're cramping your style a little bit. No, no, definitely not. No, it's just, no, 10.45 is perfect. Are you? <laughs> What's Kenny doing out there? <laughs> Kenny, what time is it over there? <laughs> it's 8. It's 8 in the morning. That's <laughs> ah, not bad. That's yeah, good. see? So, so Ray, do you, drink, do you drink Black Rifle coffee in the morning? Do you drink tea? Do you have a Coca-Cola? Maybe just some water with lemon? I mean, how do you get yourself going? <laughs> I have a cold brew every morning and matcha bitty. That's my two drinks in the morning. Okay. So have you had the cold brew yet? <laughs> I'm, I'm down as fast as I can. Right <laughs> all right. All right. So <laughs> Matt, Sarah posted a video of you at a wedding this weekend and I've been trying to repost it, but I can't seem to figure it out from a social media standpoint. This is the funniest thing I've seen in 2019. So you're eating bread and butter at the table and 
<laughs> you you pause to give this like courtesy applause because I don't know if the DJ is trying to get people going or. <laughs> And you had no idea that he was rolling tape, and uh, he, he got you good there, my man. Now he's, uh, there's something wrong with him. I'm, I'm waiting, and I'm oh. waiting very patiently for the day he starts to act his age. That's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> yeah. Before yeah, I, I die, I hope, I mean, the guy's 45. But yeah. I'll, I'll, I will put up a video later of him eating his appetizer and just <laughs> patting his head dry. I mean, this is the only guy I know. He huh. thinks eating is an exercise. Huh. He thinks yeah. he's exercising. <laughs> yeah. He got done with his appetite. Uh, looked like he ran. Looked like he ran a half marathon. Uh, he was his head. He was <laughs> I mean, this guy, guys, it's a game he plays. But uh, no, the, the best part is he thought I left. I I I go out. I'm looking for my my wife, and then I go back down. They had a donut board. Uh, before you leave, so you take wow. donuts or whatever. Oh. I catch him at the donut board, so I'm standing behind him with my phone, thinking I'm videotaping him, and he's, he's he turns around, we're crying, and I and I freaking didn't videotape it, so oh. I passed. I, I blew a big opportunity, so I'm gonna have to go with him uh, sweating while he's eating. That's that's all I got. Yeah, it's exercise. That was so, the whole night, though. Just ball busting at some poor guy's wedding. Yeah. Probably, yeah, yeah some poor guy emphasis on Yeah, it. yeah, no, no. This, this is what you asked for. You invited us both to the wedding. No, but you <laughs> just, I don't know if you put up any other pictures, but, you know, Al, Al, you know, uh, Al Jermaine, everybody was there. So we had a we had a fun time, you know, well, watching the fights at the wedding on Al Joe's phone. Oh, good. little ESPN yeah. Plus going on over the weekend. Well, Ken Flo, go to Matt Sarah's Instagram and watch that video uh, when we are off the air. Today. I can't wait to check <laughs> it out. <laughs> kill you and pro- probably a gluten-free donut for your buddy matt sarah he's only eating gluten-free pizza now these oh, there days. was no there was no gluten-free that night for him oh His too good probably the size of a beach ball i want right to ch- i want to challenge matt sarah to a food eating contest i think i can take him no 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 yeah he's not uh no back in the day i'm gonna say you couldn't take him like today he's, he's so he tightened his diet up good he really doesn't eat that much yeah Okay. He has. He's worked on his diet. Back in the day, uh, though, back in the day, it would have been a challenge. All right. I've seen him right. go through a bunch of pizza pies at one sitting. So, were you guys at the wedding when knocked out Ben Askren like that? We were at the wedding and we were screaming like a oh. bunch of lunatics. I can't even imagine. Uh, what, I mean, what, what can you tell us about that? Man, I tell you what, man. I mean, what really makes that interesting is the, the fact that they were. They did uh, plan for that. Uh, that's what I love about it more than anything, you know. So, uh, damn. I mean, I don't know what, what can you say about that. They he, he caught him, you know. I mean, it was uh, phenomenal. I, I don't know. I feel bad for Ben Askren, but man, happy for Jorge, man. He, you know, just like again the fact that they gave that a shot early on in the fight where it could have went disastrous, almost like the Cat Sangano. Uh, Ronda Rousey, you know, when she charged across the ring and she got caught. But, uh, man, I tell you, he's, but Masvidal's a fighter, man. I always knew it. I always liked him. One of my favorite fighters. And yeah, I never really, I never pick against him, man. He's, he's tough. John, I, I actually have a question for you, man. It seemed like during the broadcast, Askren was out for a long time. You guys are yeah. talking about the fact that he was still out. Was he out for five minutes or more? That's what it seemed like. 
I, it's hard to gauge time in yeah. that moment. Right. Sure. But I can tell you that his legs in that scissored position, uh, felt like an eternity, right. That they Man. didn't move from that position. So yeah, I mean, it, oh gosh. The, and the, the, the manner in which he recovered was very slow, right? Like I can sit here as a non-fighter and tell you, I have been knocked out cold twice playing basketball, hitting my head on the floor. Right. Man. And I can tell you, I came back much faster than he did. Like when I was right. walking out of the gym under my own power, you know, yeah. he, he didn't know where he was when he was walking by the media table. You know, it was, uh, as scary a moment as I can imagine, or as has have seen in there for sure. Ray. So given that, I mean, obviously Askren was doing great, uh, prior to him coming to the UFC. Um, he, he'd been, he'd been hit in fights, no doubt about it. We've seen him bloodied and bruised up. But given the Lawler fight uh, and given the fact that he got knocked out cold and was out what seemed like more than a few minutes. So his brain is trying to reboot for maybe five minutes. Do you think this is one of those fights that maybe he should call it quits? I mean, is, is, that, is that too extreme to say that? No, it's definitely not too extreme. Look. Look, as I'm getting older, man, you really got to – probably 20 years ago I would have answered it different, but, man, you got to err on the side of caution. The weird part is that you brought it up. The Lawler fight, from a physical standpoint, was a loss. I don't know, yeah. It could be a win on paper, right. but that was only a couple of months ago, right? What was that, three or four months ago? Yes. And then yeah. they jump back. So, so in the course of four months, this guy's brain has been battered. That is, it's just not good no matter how you look at it. So do you give it up or do you sit out of here? But I, I definitely get medical attention, make sure everything's right. Um, and that's like, again, that was, so you, you, it's one-on-one -on, -one on paper, but it's definitely a big 0-2 in life. I mean, there's yeah. no question about it. I mean, the Lawler fight, uh, you know, look, the guy's tough. We know that, but this is, this is like, now it's getting to the point where, his toughness is going to actually hurt him in the long run. And it might've run out uh, Saturday night. You might've seen all the accumulation of, you know, him not recovering that quick because look, Holly home got looked like got booted harder than that. And she was up and about and she right. knew what was going on. Uh, you know, I mean, if you look at the, I, I don't even I just, he, he's got to, he's got to take a break at least. And, you know, you got to you know, look, is it worth it at this point? Yeah, I mean, you know, like you, like uh, John said, the way he walked out, and you know, watching it, you know, like again, where we were, Kenny, it seemed like ten minutes. You know what yes. I mean? Like that was a lot of time. But you know, that could be tricky too, because you know, in those situations, you know, you know, uh, you know, fifty seconds seems like five minutes. But yeah, just not good. It's not either. Either way, it's not good. He's. I think he's a bright guy. You know, he's got great, you know, I think he does great with the wrestling camps and all of that. You know, he has options. You know, it's like, here's the deal. Like, if you have no options, then it's a maybe a different story, and it shouldn't be from help. You know, if Rock Cold really has a, uh, I'm switching gears, if he has a, a modeling, a legitimate modeling thing with Ralph Lauren, right. he's got to do that. Thinking, man. I yeah. mean, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, a lot of these guys, they love to fight, but then somebody has to step in there and go, you know, look, you know, is it worth it, man? You know, really, is it? You got a family? That's scary. That's, I think that's going to scare him, though. I don't think he's, I do think 
Askren's an intelligent guy. You know, look, he knows what he signed up for. He's going to process this the right way. It'll be interesting to see what he what he does. But I mean, just I think as a as a, a person who you know, you know, I, I enjoy listening to him talk. I get it. You know, he's annoying and stuff to some people, but I do like guy and. Uh, I think he'll make the right decision. I really do, but we'll, we'll wait and see. But got four months—that's a lot of trauma to your brain. I don't, I don't care who yeah. you are. Well, he's a good human being. He really is uh, fun yeah, to no, be no, around, a, and yeah, and he's, he's also a and he's also a successful businessman. And he's someone who came back to fighting. Right, he did retire, but he came back to scratch the UFC itch, but also because he wanted to prove that he was the best in the world. And even though when I look at the welterweight top 15, I see some wins in there potentially for the people out there who have questioned his strength of schedule and the merits of his MMA body of work. Unfortunately or fortunately, you know, this gives them a lot of ammunition. I know it was a quick fight, but when you put it together with the Lawler fight, a lot of people now feel like, there's something fraudulent about him as this truly elite welterweight of the decade type guy. And, uh, you know, if he doesn't come back and try to beat somebody, I think that there's only going to be more of that fuel. Well, that that's going to be that. That's the problem is what right. you just said. I don't think he doesn't seem like the type of guy who's going to want to go out like that. For exactly. Sure. But he's got a real, how old is ben, is ben now? Hang on. I got my fighter card right here. He'll be 35 in less than two weeks. He's uh, yeah. so a lot younger than the rest of us here, right? Basically is what I'm saying. <laughs> cool. So, uh, all right, before we let you go, I, again, you're at a wedding, so I'm not sure how much you saw of, of John Jones and Tiago Santos. And we brought you in pretty early today. So we haven't even talked about that fight, but, uh, any thoughts on John Jones or Amanda Nunes before we let you fly? Uh, well, Amanda Nunes by far, I think she's proven she's the best female fighter, Ever at this yep. point, I mean, she she just I don't I don't even think there's a question. Uh, she's not beating people. She's beating the crap out of people. Like she's knocking everybody out. And she's had former champs and whatever. I don't think uh, who's stopping her at this point. I mean, I really thought Holly Holm had a, a chance in that fight. Right. And um, I don't I don't know I don't know she's she's phenomenal. John Jones. Man, that fight, you know, I saw it in pieces, obviously, because I was at the wedding, but I, I, I thought, look, it's, it's a weird thing. I mean, I, and I know this is wrong, and nobody agrees with me, but to be the champ, you got to beat the champ, and I'm still going to hold to that in my head. And I do think the other guy did great, but I, I can't see him, because a lot of people, I think you guys even said on the broadcast, it was like, they could possibly be 2-2 going into the fifth, and I think that was the sentiment of a lot of people, but... Right. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure what I was looking at. You know, one of the things that came to my head is, you know, like John Jones had to know that guy was hurt. He never went after him, uh, you know, to put him away, which I thought was weird. I guess he was coasting through a fight. I don't know if I, like, again, I watched this thing in pieces, so I don't really see it. But one of the first things is that it was almost like, and I, I'm not, this is going to be horrible, but the aggression, you know, the aggression didn't look like it was there. And I don't know if that's a direct relationship with, you know, being off, you know, some of the performance enhancing drugs. It seemed like he was just coasting and he was chilling in that fight. I do think he controlled, you know, the, uh, the octagon, but that was a closer fight than, 
right on paper. I think even the significant strikes, I think at the end, were pretty were pretty close. So yeah. I know Dana was outspoken about the guy should never judge before, but I don't think anybody's going to complain about that, you know. But it didn't look like he to me. It didn't look like he deserved, you know, even if he outstruck him or just there was something off in that fight. It was. Uh, uh, I don't know. It wasn't your usual John Jones fight. It looked like he just he lacked some some aggression for some reason. And again, the guy was hurt. You see, a guy's his knees are buckling throughout the fight, and you're not attacking it. You're not. I don't know. And and again, I saw the fight in pieces. So I don't even know if I'm correct, but that's what yeah. I. That's my memory of the fight. You know, and I, I don't know if it's like again, if you you come off everything and now you miss the mellow. You know. Yeah, definitely speaking, very you know, non-controversial. You know, the other stuff is crazy, man. You see these road rages, and everybody's out of out of control, man. So I don't know. That, that's my thought. Without watching, I didn't definitely didn't watch the fight one, two, three, four, five in a row. Right. You know, I saw like rounds one, then I saw round five. And, you know, so I I did have him winning the fifth round. I thought pretty right. easily. Right. I think in my head, so. I don't know. I, that, something's up with that because Dana's, you know, trying to change his record uh, with the Hamill thing, and Benny was pretty outspoken with that. I, I don't know what's going on, but I, I do think he won the Hamill. You know, the Hamill fight should be overturned. I definitely, uh, you know, he was in control of that fight. It was a that was a no brainer. But yeah, I don't know. Look, just looked like a lack of aggression to me. Yeah. Well, you gave us a lot to digest, and I'll certainly get Ken Flo's thoughts on it on the backside. I will say for your this thing that you keep going back to, and I love you, right? This whole to be the champ, you got to beat the champ. And we can't spend too much more time on this, right? I think if there was ever a decent time to actually invoke that phrase, Ray, it might actually be. That, f- hang on. Yeah. Hear me out. For, yeah. It might actually yeah. be for this fight because Chael Sonnen, I think, put it pretty well. It's not to be the champ, you got to beat the champ, right? Because to me, that is absolutely absurd. But if you are a judge in a fight like this and you look at that second round, you got to have a lot of courage as a judge. And Kenny, I don't know if you agree with this, but Tiago Santos had won the first round. So that second round was pretty close. There was a slip. This seemed to be the swing round for a lot of people. You got to have a lot of courage if you're a judge, right? To give that second round and a five round fight to Tiago Santos. But when you're judging, it shouldn't really be about courage, right? If you see that as a 10, nine round one way or the other, you got to score it that way. I think you can argue that was a 10, 10, in which case it would have probably been a draw on the scorecards of a lot of people. But I still think, Ray, that you as a judge, you have to isolate that bullshit from your mind to be the champ. You got to beat the champ because you're really just trying to score right. around. Without a doubt. No, no, I agree with you. I just, it's, it, it was, that wasn't just a tricky fight because I'm saying you could have given that fight to Santos from what yes. I saw, but yeah. I just, I don't know, would that have been like a, I don't know what, I don't know. I, I'm not, I know, look. I know I'm not even making sense. I'm just no, you are. It was you just are. A, it was a weird, weird thing. And you're right. As a judge, that shouldn't matter. What you see is what you score. And if you saw, you know, like you said, the ten ten would have been appropriate. You don't see that a lot of times, but that definitely would have been appropriate. And uh, you could have given the round to Santos. So really, really tricky, man. I don't yeah. know that that fight was. Uh, uh, you know, like again, I, I and I and again, I want to really preface this because I I didn't watch the entirety in a, in the, in that sequence. You know what I mean? So I yeah. saw it, you know, and I kept going back to look at it. So 
I could be I could be off, but that that was my 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 original sentiment was I don't know, it was he was doing good and you know he was on and look it looked like he was really banged up so I yeah. think that's the the other question is what if he was healthy would he have pressed it more right uh, and again why John didn't take advantage of that is uh, a little little uh, odd to me yeah. Well, I no, I think you actually nailed a lot of points in that fight, despite watching it sort of with one eye at the wedding. So uh, we appreciate your insights, as always. I encourage all of our listeners to go to Matt Sarah's Instagram page and uh, <laughs> see if you enjoy that bread and butter. I mean, dude, Ray, like all of a sudden, they, Ray's inner monologue is like, all right, I'm eating this roll with fucking butter. I have some solitude over here. But everybody else is clapping, so I'm going to put down my butter knife. I'm going to fucking clap three times. But I'm not clapping hard enough to add to the noise. I'm not enthusiastically getting into it. If someone's rolling on me, it's going to look like token applause. And that's exactly what it was. Ray, Ray I hope hey, you're, you're able you're, to recover I, from this gluten hangover, man. I yeah. Yeah, John, I think, John, you're making that video worse. Like, <laughs> but whatever uh, was going on, whatever was going on didn't merit a big clap. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. That's good. I All think right, it was, uh, and, it, and it could have been the bride's father given his, Given his speech, he was starting to go off the rails, so I started reaching for the rolls. I love it. All right, well, yeah. have a great rest of the week. And I got to tell you and Ken Flo that just being in Vegas, it was just really heartwarming because everybody who's coming up to me is talking to me about the podcast, many of whom ha have listened since episode one from all different parts of the world. So uh, awesome. that was pretty cool for me to, to hear over the weekend. I thought you'd be glad to hear it. Oh, man, that's, 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 that's great. Awesome. That's great yeah. to hear. I had to field a lot of Ian Parker complaints this weekend. <laughs> oh my lord! I don't, I, <laughs> Just kidding. No, no comment. All right, buddy. Hey, have a great week. Thank you. All right, take it easy, man. I'll talk to you, buddy. All right, the Ray Longo minute every week here on the Anakin Florian podcast. So, John Jones, Tiago Santos, it gave us a lot to chew on the fight Longo's comments. I do believe that if your thesis statement on John Jones in this fight is that he lacked aggression, especially from a grappling standpoint, uh, which was largely non-existent, save for an early takedown attempt. I would agree with you. I would also agree on the Tiago Santos side, even though he was compromised in the fight with the leg that had he moved forward more, uh, then he really might've won this fight. In terms of the scoring, Kenny, I think that the third round was John Jones's biggest round. And if you're giving Jones a 10-9 in round three, a score of Jones at 10-9 in round two just doesn't make sense. So I know TJ had it a draw. You know, I think live I kind of saw one, two, and five for Tiago Santos, if I'm being mm -hmm. honest. But I was calling the fight. So as I always say, throw out my scorecard. Your thoughts on Jones, Santos, and ultimately how you had it over the weekend. You know, I, I would have to watch it again. Um, I, I thought it was Jones comfortably winning three rounds to two. Um, I think those rounds were close. It, you know, um, I, I thought it was a, a pretty comfortable fight, uh, in my opinion. But again, I have to watch it again. It, it's one thing to watch the fight, uh, and it's another thing to score the fight. So um, right. I, I did think that Jones did enough. Uh, I thought that Santos had a valiant effort. At one point, I thought that he checked out. He, he was losing eye contact with John Jones. Um, but I think it was just him being distracted by that knee injury, which ended up being terrible. 
which I did until later on. Then you saw that he wasn't moving well. I was like, okay, wait a sec. He's hanging in here. Uh, showed a lot of toughness. Was was continuing to go for that knockout despite really fighting on, um, you know, one leg. Uh, but Jones was was kind of fighting on one leg as well. He exactly. had really badly hurt his shin off of a kick from Tiago Santos early in that fight. I think that had something to do with the John of, of his perhaps hesitation um, in, in moving forward and pursuing that finish. Yeah. I would have liked to see more of that from John Jones. I would have liked to see more defensive action besides just utilizing those long uh, arm frames of his. Um, I, I think we saw John Jones that perhaps didn't look as sharp as he has in the past, but I also think he had a very healthy respect as he should have for the power of Tiago Santos. Now, you look at all of his opponents from the past. Tiago Santos was the biggest knockout threat, in my yeah. opinion, out yes. of anybody that John Jones has faced. So that alone um, was a big threat. And I would love to see these guys run it back. If both of these guys are healthy, I think a rematch is absolutely deserved here. I want to see it. And we'll get to Jan Bohovic and some other guys, Dominic Reyes and uh, Johnny Walker, Alexander Rockets and all of that. But I agree with everything you said. And Tiago Santos, right? Like, I can't wait to see that guy again so I can congratulate this performance in defeat. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of us who have called Tiago Santos's fights, you know, we've watched his whole UFC career. This was his 19th UFC yeah. appearance. He came in the second most prolific knockout artist in UFC history, like the second most accomplished knockout artist in the history of the UFC on paper. Anthony Rumble Johnson was one time scheduled to fight John Jones, and that fight didn't happen. And the reason a lot of us were so excited for that fight was because of that Rumble power. And I do think Tiago's power earned Jones's respect early. And you're right. I think that's why John, John had some hesitance in terms of his overall aggression. But Santos cannot be commended enough and especially in a situation where he probably approached that fifth round as if it was 2-2 he won the fifth round and had to I would think on all three judges scorecards you know so huge congratulations to Tiago Santos you know I I understand that uh that for John Jones why maybe Kenny to your point he felt like he was winning and so he didn't necessarily force the issue some would criticize John for not having a bigger fifth round because it was a close fight but uh I would like to see them run it back. It's not going to be immediate, and Dana White doesn't seem to have an appetite for a rematch, so I don't think that's what we're going to get next. John seems more interested in a Daniel Cormier trilogy than he was a few weeks prior, and maybe that has something to do with the fact that he wasn't able to get finishes against Anthony Smith and Tiago Santos here in back-to-back fights. Uh, But what do you think for John? I mean, do you think... uh, do you think it's going to be somebody like Jan Bohovic, who on paper has won five of six and would allow John to turn around here in a couple months? Or do you think that he'll take six weeks, watch DC and Cormier and, and potentially either move up or or welcome Daniel back to 205? Yeah, listen, I think that for, for John Jones, I think there's two things. Either stay active and continue on this win streak that, that he's been on and, and just kind of solidify himself as, as the greatest of all time, certainly in at 205 pounds. Um, so I, I, again, I would love to see the rematch with him and Tiago Santos, uh, given the, the, the potential for a knee injury in Tiago Santos, that's probably not going to happen. Um, and I, it, it would probably something, it would probably be something like a, a, a Jan Bohovic, uh, fight in December. Um, and then after that, 
a, a fight against Daniel Cormier. I don't think DC would want to fight him at 205, though. I think DC would probably want to fight him at heavyweight. It seems like John Jones is warming up uh, to that potential fight at heavyweight. Right. Um, and, and that's his biggest fight, right? Financially, that's the one that would bring in the most amount of money for right. both of those gentlemen. It's just interesting because Jones is like, uh, he's huge. He's massive, obviously. And yes. that 84 and a half inch reach is obviously moving up to heavyweight. I mean, that was one of my bigger takeaways from sitting down with Santos on Thursday was like, he's just a much smaller man. Didn't necessarily look that much smaller on fight night. Smaller, but, but walk- not small. It's right. just John Jones in there. Well, it's right, just, exactly. Yeah. And so when you sort of see them back to back, it's like, man, Santos really is the smaller guy. Absolutely. But jo- John has so mastered this cut, Kenny, down to 205 pounds. He lost seven and a half pounds playing basketball on Friday. So to all of a sudden in December fight DC at heavyweight, you know, he's not going to do something competitively that puts him at a massive disadvantage. So we shall see how John Jones yep. chooses to proceed. He would figure to call a lot of the cards, but if DC wins, then uh, maybe they do do it at heavyweight, and maybe they do it sooner than maybe I would expect. Before we get to Amanda Nunes, I just have to close the book on Masvidal in terms of of the title, right? Because mm-hmm. he's never been a guy who's obsessed over the belt. Now he is. Colby Covington is one of his, one of his best friends in the world. He's got the Robbie Lawler fight. So if Covington beats Lawler, he has as strong a case as anyone. But to get this highlight, the way Jorge Masvidal got it. I have to think that that he's going to be next for Kamaru probably at Madison Square Garden November 2nd. Without a doubt. And again, you know, we talk about rankings. We talk about all these things and who you've beaten. But in this sport, when you're talking about entertainment, especially in this day and age, style points matter. Yeah, style points matter. That double knee is something that people will remember for a very long time. Oh, and by the way, it took out a previously undefeated fighter, a matchup against Masvidal, who many believed it was a terrible matchup, myself included. That's the worst kind of matchup for any high-level striker, is going against a smothering wrestler like Ben Askren, Masvidal getting it done in that fashion, getting the fastest knockout of all time. I I think he deserves it. I really do, especially given everything that he's accomplished, all the fights, all the experience that he has. You see those numbers up on the screen uh, with his record and everything he's accomplished. I I think he deserves it. I do, too. I think he is richly deserving. I would love to see him get that chance. And uh, he arguably did it on the biggest card of the year, right? And that matters, too. I'm going to take you back to November 15th, 2008. UFC 91 in Las Vegas, Nevada, Couture versus Lesnar. Co-main event, Kenny Florian versus Joe Stevenson. And Ken Flo just smashes Joe in the co-main event with more eyeballs on him than ever. And that set up the BJ Penn fight, right? I think Masvidal is getting Kamaru Usman. What a great night that was. Post-fight, <laughs> Ken Flo's post-fight party at Tau. That was the first time I had been to Tau. You know, I'm 30 years old, right? But... Walk into town, I'm like, oh my god, this is the greatest night. Of it my was life. crazy. There's like, yeah, there's like unicorns uh, walking around in the crowd. There was bubbles. There was yes. fire. I mean, it was it was a, a a crazy scene. Naked Asian women. Yeah, pretty much naked. That's all your right. typical Kenny Florian post fight. Uh, I love it. Absolutely yeah. love it. Uh, all right, a couple more things before we get to the main event challenge. Unfortunately, we're going to kind of have to shortchange this card a little bit. Um, but I will mention every name I can. Amanda Nunes might be the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world, man or woman. I mean, certainly there's no one else who would get the distinction as the best 
women's fighter of all time. I mean, Jessica Andrade has as many UFC wins as Nunes, but no one is going to inject her into that conversation. I have so many different things I could say about Amanda Nunes. I think there's been a lot of mental and physical maturity, but she was in the shape of her life going in there Saturday night. She was ready to go five rounds, but she's just too fucking good for everybody else. And as you tweeted over the weekend, there really are levels to this game. And it's scary to think that there could be this type of level change from her down to Holly Holm. I mean, who's going to beat her? Who's going to beat her at 145? Uh, who's going to beat her at 135? Good fucking luck. I mean, it's just... She 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 throws too hard, John. She 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 knows how to set up those strikes. She's a smart fighter. Um, she can wrestle. She can beat you up on the ground. I I mean, who's out there as well rounded as good as her? Here's the crazy thing. The answer to that question is it's the champion from two weight classes down, Valentina Shevchenko. Yeah. I think she's the toughest matchup for Nunes, and Nunes is just way too big for her, man. I I, I just. You know, I think that for for that, well, I should say one weight class down, but uh, if she's fighting at 135, but, you know, I don't think there's many women who can really challenge Amanda Nunes. Holly Holm, look what she's accomplished in boxing. Look at the kind of striking. Who who knocks out Holly Holm? No one's ever done it like that. Right. But I, I, I saw it coming just because I think Holly is way too tense in the octagon. It seems like she's, I don't want to say that she, not that she, doesn't want to be there, but you see this nervous energy running yeah. through her in every single fight. You never see her just quite comfortable in the octagon. Amanda Nunes seemed relaxed. Yeah. She was ready to rock, and that's exactly what she did, man. That kick was brutal. I don't know how she didn't knock out Holly Holm cold, by cold, the way. Right. Holly is tough as nails. You see Amanda Nunes in that inspection zone, right? I mean, Dude. it's just smiling. It's like, like, like she's literally there to watch herself fight, yes. you know? Unfucking real the juxtaposition, and I'm glad you pointed it out, between the tension of Holly Holm and just the looseness of Amanda Nunes. I do think a cyborg rematch would be different because Jason Perillo will make sure that I that, you know, Chris is a little bit more disciplined. But I do agree yeah. with you. A rematch with Valentina Shevchenko at 35, which would give Valentina an opportunity potentially to become a simultaneous two-division champion, to me, is the fight that makes the most sense. Cyborg does have a fight coming up against Spencer uh, three weeks from now. So we'll see how it all plays out. But uh, congratulations to Amanda Nunes, who is just a wonderful human being. Yes. Moved to the U.S. to realize this dream in 2011 was trying to become a UFC champion, and she has done that several times over uh, and made herself a very wealthy woman. And for her and Nina, they're just going to have a wonderful life, and, and they are richly deserving of that fate. All right, we're going to have more on UFC 239 here, but I want to bring Ian Parker into the conversation because we've already pushed him back extensively today, and it is his birthday, so I feel oh. like we should be nice about that. Let us get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. Anik. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, it's been a little bit crazy with some of the technical issues today, but hopefully you haven't noticed them on the other side. We're going to bring Ian Parker into the UFC 239 recap here, and then we will get to our selections for the Sacramento show this weekend. Happy birthday, Ian Parker. Thank you, Sir John Anik. I appreciate that. Happy birthday to you. 
Uh-huh. I just made that up right now. Right now. Happy birthday to Jew. So good. Everybody's still banging on the Jews. See, I'm Jewish, right? I'm full-fledged Ashkenazi Jew. I was bar mitzvahed, so I can say everybody's still banging on the Jews, man. You know? They really do. They just they just like to throw they like to throw shade at us. I don't get it. Right. We help make you guys money. We keep to ourselves. Oh. You know, we don't we, we don't we don't give free pieces and soda. We we charge for that because we're smarter than that. Yeah. You know, come on, leave us alone. Right. I mean, my wife's let an us, anti. Let us bet. You know, let us bet. My wife is is an anti semite. It's like you married a Jew, honey. Like you and your you and your brother, right? The, they're Polish Catholic. She and her brother, they're both Polish Catholic. You know, and it's like you both married Jews. I don't know what to tell you. you know? um, all right, before I get in too much well, trouble. So, well, happy birthday to you. We appreciate you joining us on your birthday. We're going to get to the main event challenge and the standings, and you're probably not going to like that part of the discussion, but I want to bring you into our 239 recap. And I want to give you a little bit of time on Ben Askren, but we then have to get to some other uh, performances. But And and you can, obviously we've said most of what needs to be said, certainly about Jorge Masvidal, but since you've watched so much MMA, I'm just curious how you think this impacts the 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 Ben Askren legacy, because for a lot of people who sort of denigrated his body of work, this is, this gives them the ultimate ammunition, you know? Yeah. You know what? I don't, it's hard for a guy who hasn't really built his legacy through the mainstream of you, of the UFC, you know? So yeah. it's kind of hard because people are kind of looking at this, like he didn't beat Robbie Waller and he had this coming. And I kind of, you know, this is what's harsh about some of the fans in the sport. They, these may be the harshest fans literally in the sport. You know, Ben said one thing after the Robbie fight, right? I'm not the referee. It's not my fault. And there's been plenty of controversial calls throughout the entire history of the sport. I mean, Kenny's been in fights. He could tell you. I'm sure there's been times where he disagreed, agreed, whatever it is. And with this one, listen, it was, a, it was really, what, a two-second knockout because the referee took an extra second to stop. You know, Jorge, it, it, it's hard. Do I think Ben's legacy is – I don't think we, we really know what Ben's legacy is. I think what Ben has really done, I think for the, the UFC in general, is they got value out of that trade for someone of Demetrius Johnson that they weren't really promoting and the division right. itself. They got someone to come here and infuse some real fresh blood and marketing into the 170-pound division. And I think yep. this, what this did was it gave someone like Jorge Masvidal, who's been around and has been successful – to now really get catapulted into stardom. Yeah. And maybe, maybe Ben's not who everyone thought he was, but guess what? He made the world believe it, and Jorge just finished him in five seconds. So if I'm the yeah. UFC, I'm jumping all over this guy as a superstar. He can talk the talk. Yeah. He's flashy. He does what he needs to do. He's a real fucking fighter. And him versus Usman, you can take my money. I'll watch that right now. It is a great point. And you think about the value they've gotten out of Ben Askren in these two fights is, is absolutely incredible. Uh, Ken Flo, Jan Bojovic has now won four of five. The wins, Jared Cannonier, Jimmy Manoa, Nikita Krilov, then had the main event loss to Tiago Santos. And now he spoils the light heavyweight debut in the UFC of Luke Rockhold. I don't think he's going to be next for the title. You know, I think they would probably go in a Dominic Reyes direction, even though I'm not sure he's as ready as maybe Bohovic would be 32 fights into this thing at this point. Right. But uh big win for Bohovic, even though obviously Rockhold in defeat is more the storyline, I think, here on a Monday morning. Listen, Bohovic, uh, what a win for him. Uh, listen, if Tiago Santos, uh, if they don't want to go in that direction for a rematch, which I think is warranted, I, I think Bohovic is the dude. I, I think he's the guy who should get that next shot. There's no doubt about it. Um, I, I think, would have 
What's that? If he, Rockhold would have gotten it if he right, beat him. Exa- you know? Exactly, because of his name and all that stuff, right? Um, but, uh, you know, I, and Dominic Reyes, I, I think he's a great fighter. He really has so much potential. I think that's way too early. I think that's the kind of fight that really could um, set him back a little bit. Um, I think you should wait on that. If you want to fight for the belt, put yourself in a position to win. Don't just put yourself in a position to get a high-profile fight. Right. Um, but uh, that's my opinion. And um, as far as Luke Rockhold, really, I mean, man, we keep Dude. saying it. He should stop. There's no reason for him to keep going. We talked about it on the podcast. He has not changed his colors as a fighter still. And I didn't see it happening at this point. It's not going to happen the next fight. It's not going to happen after. He continues to lower that lead left hand. He continues to have that chin very high. The same defensive mistakes are being repeated time and time again. And let's take the sport out of it. This is your brain getting knocked around here. And and, and I like Luke Rockhold. And I, I don't want to see any fighter out there. Uh, get hurt like that. And I think Rockhold has a lot of other options. He's done amazing things in this sport. At one point, he was seen as perhaps, you know, a a guy who was going to have the 185-pound belt for a very long time. You look at how dominant he was against a guy like a Chris Weidman, who a lot of people thought was the next dude, right? This sport is nuts when you think about that whole history, but it's time. It's time for him to stop and just do something else because, again, 205 was not was not the uh, the thing that was going to switch things around for him. Right, and the thing too is he's such a great grappler. He's such a good Amazing mixed martial grappler. arts grappler. Yeah. But at 205 pounds, that's going to be a different navigation. Not that he's ever been some takedown artist per se, but sure. those are different situations. But dude, the top game, right? Like skill for skill, yes. we thought Luke Rockhold Crazy. had a chance to go down as one of the one of the greatest middleweights of all time. In the nature of time, Ian Parker, I uh, want to get your thoughts on Michael Chiesa. Defeats Diego Sanchez, unanimous decision, 30 to 26 times three. To me, this is a classic 30 to 24 under the new scoring system. Three clear 10-8 rounds. You don't even have to largely dominate the round to get a 10-9 under the new rules. So this was 10-8 times three for me, but the scorecards aren't the story. Your thoughts on Michael Chiesa and how successful he can be now that he's going to take on somebody in the top 15 at 170 pounds. Well, first off, if I could just take 15 seconds to talk about what you guys spoke about with Luke and with who's next for that division. Um, Kenny, you kind of gave, hit it right on the head with Luke. There's no more. There's no need. That, yeah. was, that was hard to watch. That was really hard to watch. Um, and he looked, he looked good at the size. You know, just I, you, like you said, the evolution of his game isn't there. I, and I kind of hope it's not Dominic Reyes. And I hope actually they have him fight Jan Blanovich. I Let them two fight. Give John Jones more time until December. I don't think we need a clear-cut guy especially if they're not going to give Santos the rematch. Just my two cents on that. Um, in regards to Kaseya, you know what? This was a, just a, <laughs> an, awesome, an awesome matchup for him. Um, and it just, I can't believe how big he looked. Like, how did this guy ever make 55? Yeah. He just looked huge. It was almost yeah. like Diego should fight at 55, and he should have more than one corner guy that looks like, and I'm going to steal this from Kenny, but looks like he works at Pizza Hut. <laughs> Whatever that comment was, you and I talked about. Um, that yeah. was that was bonkers to me. But Mike, Mike just looked big. He looked. It looked like he was just ha- like rolling. It didn't even look like he was trying. And really I think strange. what this was for him was just a, a, yeah, a confidence booster. Everything was so fluid. And listen, Diego's a tough guy. I mean, he couldn't finish Diego. I don't know if he was really trying to be risky. But 
I felt like every time he went for that arm bar and he was slipping off of him, he didn't really yeah. care because he just regained position right back in the half guard, mount, whatever he wanted to do. I'm happy for this guy. I think he's been around for a while. He's really fought hard. And now we really know how hard it was for him to get 55. I think he's got a bright future at 70. I'd like to really still see his stand-up get way, way more evolved because he's got some killers in that division who could really strike. Yeah. And he's not going to be able to get guys to the ground as easy as he did Diego. But kudos to him, man. He did what he needed to do. Absolutely dominant. And I'm, I'm happy for that guy. He's a good guy. And he earned that win. Diego, on the other hand, I don't know what you, you know, crazy. Oof. I, I know I'm not supposed to talk all the time. I'm the producer. I get a hot mic, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to use it every once in a while. Did he just say Jan Blanovic? I, dude, I, 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 I laugh because I've never heard Kiesa's name butchered that bad, badly. He said Kaseya. <laughs> did, I, did I say that? Sorry. Sorry, my bad. The only thing that Ian Parker is worse at than the main event challenge is the pronunciation of the week. <laughs> oh, what a oh, I love Listen, it. Right. I'm not I brought I'm not brought in to make pronunciation speech. I'm here to help people win money, which is what I do. This That's what Jews do. Leave me alone. I don't uh, come after you when you mispronounce it's his everything. Birthday, you know what? For Pete's sake. Jesus Christ, it's my birthday, bro. You know what, John? From now on, I want to be on mute while TJ mispronunciates everything. And I'm just gonna come in hot, real hot. Oh, and, and 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 now you called him <laughs> Tej too, which uh, you're not on. I didn't that say level. Tej. Like... I said Tj. I said, okay. I said right. Tj. I said Tj. All right, because there's like three people <laughs> in the world who can call him Tej, and I'm very thankful uh, to be on that list. So, all right, good stuff on UFC 239, Kenny. I just have to get a couple thoughts from you on Diego Sanchez in defeat here, and then I promise you we will move on. So. Kiesa would disagree with some of what Ian said. He was absolutely exhausted after this fight. He said with Joe Rogan, I was really trying to put that guy away. I give Diego Sanchez, with my amateur eyes, a lot of credit for being almost 40-some-odd fights into this, and he's never been submitted, right? In 30 yeah. UFC fights with a lot of grappling, he's never been submitted. But I heard you use the adjective weird to describe some of this fight, so I, I just was curious what you thought about these 15 minutes on both sides, really. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, I, I um, appreciated and agree with Joe Rogan's uh, assessment here. He's like, listen, what, what's the corner man doing in here? And it was not a good sign, John. I, I saw the interview. Uh, you know, I had picked Diego. I, I Then I saw the interview. Then I heard that he was going to have one corner man in there. And I was like, oh, my God. What did I yeah. do? What did I do? It, not a good sign. This guy literally has zero mixed martial arts experience. So you're going to have him as your sole corner man. You're going to have one dude in your corner, and that's going to be the guy? Right. Come on, Diego, right. you're better than that. And I think that Diego just didn't look like he was in shape. He was tough as always. And you can only respect a warrior like a Diego Sanchez. But man, put yourself in a position to win. And uh, to your point, Ian, yes, uh, Michael Chiesa looked gigantic in that fight compared to Diego. He was bullying him around the cage. Uh, he was dominant in that performance. And um, it, it was a tough one to watch. It really was. And, and again, we, we keep saying it about a lot of these fighters. We don't want to see them fight again. Uh, but man, I, I, I hope Diego has some other options, man. I really do. All right, I'm going to shout out the other winners, and then we will move on. Congrats to Cheeto Vera. Had to dig deep against a very game newcomer, Noel and Hernandez. Claudia Gadelia, I think, will be better in her second fight under Mark Henry, 30 to 27 times three. And anyone who listens to this show knows I got a soft spot for Randa Marcos, but this was her opportunity against top five competition, and I just was surprised she didn't do more with it. I just thought there were bouts of inactivity, lack of adjustments, no takedown attempts. Um, 
So uh, we'll see where they go with Randa Marcos. Song Yudong is an absolute beast at his age. Very awesome excited fighter. to see him moving forward. Edmund Shabazian. Edmund Shabazian in this middleweight division, you know, uh, Edmund Tarverdian thinks he's got a future champion and, and maybe not yet, but you know, 21 years old, he's already got 11 years of martial arts experience and, uh, excited to see where he can go. Chance Ren counter. Congratulations on a big win as plus three seventy five underdog against the very highly thought of Ismail Nawardiev and Julia Avila, a winner in her UFC debut against Panny Kianzad. Hopefully we didn't shortchange UFC two thirty nine, but we gotta move on. Kenflo's gotta go. So the lead was eighty three seventy nine for Team Anik going into the pay per view. And Ken Flo defeats Ian Parker again. Seven to six was the margin. We continue to lose ground. Parker has yet to win a week since being brought on in a more full time capacity. <laughs> It is now 89-86 going into UFC Sacramento. First fight for us today at featherweight, Ryan Hall, minus 125. Darren Elkins, minus 105. Hall, the slight favorite here. So Ken Flo, as some of you know, is going to be in, in Jared Hall's corner. Did I Ryan call Hall. Jared Hall? I got a friend, Jared Hall. Jared Hall? <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Be- better than Kaseya, but not great. Not great. So I'm underslept. I, I pulled Sorry. an all-nighter Saturday night. So... Kenny is going to be in Ryan Hall's corner. So he's not going to be able to give us too much on this fight, obviously. Home game for the Sacramento-based Darren Elkins. Ian, what do you think about this fight? I was going to say, I think Ryan Hall should consider different, a different corner for this fight. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, <laughs> you, you, you totally let the jokes out of the bag, man. Oh, <laughs> oh you gave it to me. Oh, no, all jokes to the side. Um. Listen, I think this is great matchmaking by the UFC to showcase more of Ryan Hall here. I think Darren Elkins, the journey guy, who's fought everyone. I just don't see Ryan Hall, again, not getting a submission here. Darren's good. I just, Ryan's too good. Um, I'm hoping Ryan's striking is uh, further along than what we've seen. We haven't really had a chance to see much, and I guess that's not a bad thing. But I, I got Ryan Hall here, uh, not because of how much I value Kenny Florian on this show, but in person, but uh, no, I think Ryan Hall gets it done. And I can all but guarantee you that Ian Parker is going to have a bet on Ryan Hall this weekend, but no way he would have the stones to come on these airwaves today (laughs) and give you Darren Elkins play. Uh, So Kenny Hall still is perfect in the UFC. Hopefully he can try to get some momentum and and be active here. His victims, Artem Labov, Gray Maynard, most recently BJ Penn. That was his first UFC finish. He's perfect since the pro debut. That was April of 2016, seven straight wins. Elkins, the more UFC-tested party, coming up on his 10-year anniversary on the roster. 21st UFC appearance here, but he has lost two in a row. We know you're picking your guy, sure. and I know you can't give us too much on the fight, so uh, whatever you want to give us, we'll certainly take. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you what I can. I, I, first of all, you know, I, I think that we will see a, a much sharper Ryan Hall from, from in, in all aspects, and, and I hope that people get a chance to, to see uh, what he what he's able to do uh, on the feet as well. I, I think he'll have some um, some some very interesting techniques and approaches to this fight. Um, I, I will say that Darren Elkins is a guy that we've trained and prepared very hard for. Um, you know, again, it, in my opinion, Elkins had one of the most epic comebacks in the UFC history when he came back to beat Mirsad Bektik. You have to respect a guy like that, and you have to come in extremely well well prepared 
for a guy like that, and you got to be prepared to put him away. I think that would be a a, a big statement, uh, especially someone who is not going to go away easily. Darren Elkins uh, isn't leaving that octagon easily, so uh, I'm excited for that fight, um, and I think this is a, would be a great showcase for Ryan Hall to. Um, do well against a guy who's in that top 15 and, and hopefully get some more difficult uh, matches in the future. But I, I think I, I think we're going to see some some really good stuff out of Ryan in this fight. I can't wait for that Ken Flo corner cam. I'm going to be sitting home. Just give, give me that Ken Flo corner cam just for 60 seconds. Zach Candido, <laughs> make it happen. All right. Another fight, guys, at Featherweight. You can be quick on this if you want to. It's also a close one according to Vegas. Shaman Marais, minus 135. Andre Feely, plus 105. Ian Parker, who do you have here? Uh, this this one's tough. Uh, this one's really, really tough. It's not often it's not often that a guy comes off a loss and a guy comes off the best win of his career and the winner is the underdog and the loser is the favorite. I think the reason here is Shima Marais just possesses way more power and I think his stand up is more consistent and getting better and it kind of plays into Feely's aggressive nature. I've been impressed with Feely recently. I'm just having a hard time with when he does get hit. He goes down pretty often. So to make this a quick pick, I'm going to go Shaman Marais. I'm not overly comfortable with the pick. Um, again, because Marais showed a lot of grit in that fight against Yusuf. I swear to God, I'm so scared to pronounce guys' names wrongs right now. Uh, but uh, pretty much, I, yeah, I'm going, to, <laughs> I'm going to go Marais in this one. TJ DeSantis is pretty intimidating. Ken Flo, so is Shaman Marais. Saw the wildly talented Sadiq Yusuf end his two-fight winning streak. But I think Marais is a, a great fighter. Uh, tough schedule continues to develop. Of course, Feely has momentum. Three wins in his last four, pretty dominant against Miles Jury earlier this year. But I sure Feely for you, kid. I totally get the nervousness on on Ian Parker's part because <laughs> this is a very tricky fight uh, to pick. I, I I agree with everything Ian said. But Ice uh, is definitely the more dangerous striker. Um, I, I do think that Andre Feely is the more experienced and smarter fighter, however, and I think uh, Andre Feely will get it done. Um, I'm not sure exactly how. I'd assume maybe he, he's able to chip his way uh, to a decision here, but not going to be easy. Uh, I could see it going the other way, uh, but uh, I'm going to go with Feely here in this one. All right, Andre Feely plus 105 for Ken Flo. Third featherweight prediction for us today. This one is also on the ESPN Plus main card Saturday night, Mursad Bektik, minus 165. Josh Emmett, plus 135. Ian, who do you like? Ian, you there, my man? Yeah, sorry, I'm here. I'm here. Um, I, w- I was literally just reading a little bit. It, this, is, this is tough. Another tough fight, man. <sighs> um, whew. All right. So I'm, I, hmm. I've been going back and forth on this one so much. Just, it's so hard, and for me, really, the harder read is on Josh Emmett more than anything. I think Bechtick was someone that was a high prospect, and I just, you know, I don't know. I think Emmett just fought better competition. I think his fight, obviously, when he got knocked out, was a rude awakening for him and his style. I think then with Michael Johnson, he was extremely hesitant, was getting beat, got that, got that punch off. I'm going to take Emmett as the underdog here in the hometown. I know Kenny just took an underdog, so I'm going to take one here. I think... Uh, Man, I'm not, again, not overly confident, but I'm going to go Emmett here. Yeah, man, if I was strictly betting Ian Parker's plays, your hesitance and the sound of your voice, I don't know if you're cramming on the other end, but I would not feel confident in that Josh Emmett pick. Just No, upon- I, I, no you're, you're, you're right, man. This is, for me, on the betting standpoint, I yeah. can't, I, either one of these last two fights, I, I can't, as of today right. on Monday morning, 
You know, yeah. I, I can't no, I be get confident it. saying, yeah, go, it's tough. No, and that's one of the harder things is that we don't give Ken Flo and haven't for four years given him fight week to marinate. He has to make his picks like crack of dawn Monday morning. Ken Flo, Mursad Bektik, 13-1 and one overall. Split decision win over Ricardo Lamas last June. Had to pull of a sh- pull out of what would have been a, a showcase fight against Hanato Moicano last December at UFC 231. Of course, Moicano ended up getting pulled from that card and fought Jose Aldo. So you know how they think of Mursad Bektik. Josh Emmett, big knockout of Michael Johnson his last time out. What do you think about Emmett here? Slight dog against Mursad Bektik. Uh, these are all uh, uh, excellent matchups um, and, and yeah. difficult because of it. So um, I, I do get that hesitation as well, well as with all of these. And um, I think Josh Emmett hits much harder here. Um, I, I think he's a good enough wrestler uh, to maybe give Mursad some problems. Um but I think Mirsad has learned a lot from his mistakes here. Uh, I think Mirsad can crack as well, perhaps not as heavy uh, as Josh Emmett. But I think it might be enough to get a decision win. Um, I'm going to go with Mirsad Bektik. I think his activity, his ability to stay busy and back Josh Emmett up enough will get him a decision win here. Uh, it's a tough one, but I'm going with Bektik. Bektik has had bouts with inactivity injuries as well, but there was a time where people were drawing comparisons to George St. Pierre and thought Bektik could could really be a future featherweight champion. Big one for him against Josh Emmett. All right, co-main event, Uriah Faber back for the first time since 2016. He is the plus 250 underdog here against Ricky Simone in the minus 300 range as the favorite. Ian Parker, we will need the round and the method of victory here for the co-main event. You go in Faber or Simone. Uh, this is kind of one of my scratch my head fights. I don't I don't really understand uh, Favors deal here. I, I can't see him needing the money. Maybe he just is like I want to fight again, Sacramento, and they needed a co-main quickly. Right. Uh, this is this is Ricky Simone's time to shine and get a big name on his resume. There's no question there. Um, how he gets it done? I'll say TKO round round two. I, I really don't understand this. And Kenny, you know, would love to get your opinion on someone who is retired. What would it take for you to come back? Because I'd rather see you step in and fight Faber than have a guy in Ricky Simone. No, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I, I just don't, even for Ricky Simone, I don't know what this necessarily does for his career. I think Faber did something that a lot of these guys don't usually do, retire on a win and kind of enjoy, enjoy that. And now he comes back, and if he gets smoked, what was the point? A paycheck? I don't know. I'm going Ricky Simone, round two TKO. Uh, it, it, this is, I, I don't get it. I'll leave it at that. Ricky Simone, TKO round two, the pick for Ian Parker. Ken Flo, I'm not in the business of of retiring fighters. I don't even mind when certain fighters come back. I kind of feel like once they put you in the Hall of Fame as a modern era wing fighter uh, on the strength of your own merits that you don't don't always love the comeback. Your thoughts on what Faber can do here uh, against Ricky Simone, who's 15 and one and, and has a great resume with three UFC wins, all of a high quality already. What do you think? It's tough. Listen, I think, you know, to, to maybe answer Ian's question a little bit, I, I think that, um, you know, for Uriah, here's an opportunity for him to fight in Sacramento. They needed a big name fighter. Um, you know, Uriah's been out of the limelight a little bit. That can kind of uh, irk you a little bit. I think not myself, but I think certain fighters that they, they like being in the limelight, like they like having the attention on them, especially in their hometown. And I think, um, Uriah being around the gym, still, still working out, uh, wanted to try his hand at, at uh, getting another win in the UFC. He just, I think has a baby. So maybe he need, does need some money. Who knows? I don't know. Right, right. But, um, 
I, I think Ricky Simone is a tough matchup for him, and I, I think you could you could argue that obviously they're doing this to kind of uh, elevate Ricky Simone's uh, status in the UFC. You beat a legend like a Uriah Faber, now you're a name yourself, and I think it's a wonderful opportunity for Ricky Simone. Um, I'm not sure he gets a TKO win over Uriah Faber, but I do think he gets a decision win. I like Ricky in this one by decision. Simone's wins, Marab Dwalishwili, obviously some controversy there, but then Montel Jackson and Ronnie Yaya. So Ricky Simone, all the rage and, and deserving that distinction as a three to one favorite against the returning Uriah Faber. All right, main event, women's bantamweight division, Aspen Ladd minus 145. Jermaine Durandamy is plus 115. We're going to have Ken Flo lead the main event this week. So Durandamy Flo, former featherweight champion, Ladd is undefeated, 8 0 with six finishes. For Durandamy, just one fight since the win over Holly Holm for the featherweight title. That was February of 2017. Had a win over Raquel Pennington and her return to Bantamweight. That was last November. Your thoughts on Durandamy and Ladd coming up in the main event? Well, listen, uh, Durandamy, with her height, uh, with her ability to strike, it's not going to be easy for Aspen uh, to win that fight on the feet. Um, I, I think Aspen's got some power. She she definitely is aggressive. She she can be patient at times. Um, she's going to need that patience. She's going to have to work her way in, get close to the clinch, and put Durandamy on her back as quickly as possible. Um, I, I think Aspen Ladd can get it done. Um, I think it's going to take her a little bit more than a round. But I think, you know, she gets it done in round two by TKO. Um, I, I just think that her ground game is going to be too much for Jermaine Durandamy here. Uh, that's my pick. All right, Ian, for Aspen Ladd, she fought that rematch with Sajara Eubanks. And rematches are never easy. She was tested. It was a fight of the night. I really liked what I saw out of Aspen Ladd that night. The question is, does she stay undefeated here and win this main event against Jermaine Durandamy? You know what? Uh, this is a very interesting opportunity for Aspen Ladd, and I don't know which way it falls at the moment because, again, this is probably one of their best prospects in the division, in a division that lacks a lot of depth, and she's going to get someone in GDR who has fought the top level and done pretty well for herself. Um, her fight against Sarge, uh, you know, it, it showed a perseverance behind her. It showed that she could overcome some interesting positions, and, she, and she's tough. But that, the way she fought in that fight is not going to be enough, I don't think. I actually kind of like GDR here. I like her in regards to her stand-up. I think she's fought better-level competition. I almost wish they gave Aspen a different fight before this. Uh, I think this may be a too much too soon. I, I, I wasn't sure where Kenny was going with that. I know the path to victory for Aspen Watt is definitely on the ground. But randomly, is not easy to get down either. And you got to get past that striking. I don't think she's going to be able to bull rush a seasoned vet like her. So I'm going to go with the underdog here. Um, I'm going to say by decision, but I'm definitely going with the underdog. All right. Ian Parker likes Jermaine Durandamy with conviction by decision in the main event. Ian, happy birthday, man. Appreciate the extended time and, and your flexibility. We will talk to you uh, for San Antonio here in less than seven days, buddy. You got it, bro. Thank you. Have a good one, guys. All right. That's it for the main event challenge. And that is it for this week. And I do think if Ian doesn't beat you this week, we might have to call on some reserves here because we've given him, I don't know, five, six weeks and he's yet to produce a single win. So as we continue to lose ground, we do have to think about things because there is some money on the line. All right. That's it for today. Thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to Ray Longo and Ian Parker. And of course, TJ DeSantis at the controls. And how about DeSantis picking a fight with Ian Parker today? We absolutely love that. Thank you all for listening. Everybody in Vegas for coming up to me and talking about the podcast really touches me. Thanks to everybody who came by after the Hall of Fame 
y'all are some great people and uh we're happy to to provide this free content for you every monday we hope you're back next monday for ken flow i'm john anik enjoy the week enjoy the sacramento show we will talk to you soon until then yo later the john anik and kenny florian podcast is a tj DeSantis production its content is intended for private use only Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and Wagering Week is your antidote. I'm Tom Barton, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckley SAB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.